Amru, so the Gemara says now, it's in Yabamis, the Daf Samech Beis. The Gemara tells us about what happened to Talmud Rabbi Akiva in this period of time. Amru, Chachamim tell us, Shnei Masar Elevzukim Talmidim Hayuloy Rabbi Akiva. 12,000 couples of Talmidim, that means 12,000 Chavruses, that means 24,000. Interesting that the Gemara here doesn't tell us 24,000 Talmidim. We will suggest a reason uh, a bit later. So Rabbi Akiva had these 24,000 Talmidim, Igivazar and Tipras. They were positioned between, all settled between those two cities of Givas and Antipras. Those two cities were in the north of Israel and they're not close to one another. And that whole area was filled with Talmud Rabbi Akiva. And yet, they all died in one period of time because they did not respect each other properly. And when you have 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, those are not regular people, and when they disappear, that is a huge blow for Torah study. The world was desolate, was destroyed, because we know that the world stands on Torah. Torah, Avaydeg, Meshachasadim, those are the three Amudim, Alem, Oilam, Oimet. When you have this, this huge loss of Talmid Chachamim, the world is being destroyed, meaning that there is a real danger that Torah might be forgotten. Until Rabbi Akiva came to the Chachamim of the south, so he moved from the north to the south of Eretz Yisrael, and he taught them, and who are those Talmidei Chachamim Shebadorim, Rabbi Sinu Shebadorim? They were Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, this Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, Rabbi Elazar Ben Shamua. These five Talmidim, they are the ones who have established the Torah at that moment. In other words, thanks to Rabbi Akiva going to them and continue to teach them Torah and them teaching, the, the, teaching it to their Talmidim, Torah was perpetuated, Limud Torah continued and was not lost despite the huge blow that was dealt to Klal Yisrael with the death of 24,000 Talmidim. The Gemara continues by telling us when, because originally it says, they all died in one period of time. So, they all died between Pesach and Shavuos. They all died a, a, a bad death, as if there is a good death, but a bad death means a painful, horrible death. Maihi, what kind of terrible death it was. Amar Rav Nachman, Askera, Rav Nachman says, it was the Askera, which is the croup, the whooping cough, okay, perhaps related to COVID-19, something like that. And they all, um, they all died at that moment. All right. Um, Classic question that comes up. Rabbi Akiva 
is, the, is, is known for one of his most famous teaching. And the most famous teaching of Rabbi Akiva is, Rabbi Akiva is the one who taught that Ve'avta Lerecha Kamoicha is a, a big klal, which means that it's a general rule that the whole Torah hangs on. And here comes his own Talmidim and Loi Nagu Kovit to the point in which they were all punished by a terrible death because they did not respect one another. How could it be that Talmid Rabbi Akiva themselves did not follow the teaching of the Rebbe, Rabbi Akiva. If we ask ourselves, how come they didn't respect one another being Talmid Rabbi Akiva? The Rebbe gave a very interesting um, explanation to this. You see, in the words of the Gemara, it doesn't say they did not love each other. It says they did not respect one another. And that's a huge difference. Rabbi Akiva said, you should, they definitely, as Talmud Rabbi Akiva, had a great love for one another. But the question is, how come they did not respect one another? So the Rebbe explains that when two people are learning together, they definitely understand the subject differently. Not everybody understands everything the same way. It's, it's impossible. The Gemara says, And they in the same way that no two people have the same face. No two people have the same opinion. No two people have the same mind. Meaning that everybody understands things differently. Yes. It's a very interesting, very interesting example that he gives us. The Gemara is comparing the face to the opinion. You know, you will say, it's not true. I look exactly like my brother. Question is, do you really? You look similar to your brother. You know, exactly. If you look well, you will see that there are certain features that will clearly differentiate you from the other. And the same, the, the same is... I would say identical would probably be, there will be some, it will be very similar, but there would probably be, uh, would probably be some differences even in identical twins. But what I'm saying is that, yes, people could think the same way, along the same line, uh, agree on most things. And yet, they, are, they have differences in, the, in their opinions, in their way of understanding things. Exactly in the same way that people look different, and not only that, even people who look similar, they only look similar, but not exactly the same. There will be, there will be a difference. Now, nonetheless, in the same way that everybody's face is a face, even though um, it's not the same as yours, so everybody's opinion is an opinion, even though it's not exactly the same as yours, right? You're not going to say to someone, um, you know, your nose is not a nose, because it's not like my nose. Only my nose is a nose. Your nose is different. It's not even a nose. It's silly to say that, right? And yet we have no problem saying that about opinions. You know, your opinion or the way you understand things is not the same as mine. So therefore, it doesn't even count. You don't. Yeah, I like to say everybody is entitled to my own opinion. But, um, but uh, that is... Uh, 
that is a problem. The problem is that problem is that people don't understand things the same way as one another. And when is that a problem? That's not a problem. That's a reality. When does it become a problem? It becomes a problem when we stop accepting or respecting somebody else's opinion. Now, in most cases, when you have a discussion and you say something and somebody else says something else that doesn't go along what you say, it doesn't really match your line or doesn't match your opinion, you usually don't even argue. It's not worth it. Especially if you don't care much about the other person. But imagine, if it is somebody that you care very much about, if it's somebody that you really love, and you hear them say something that you believe is entirely false, or it's just not correct even, then you will definitely correct them. You will definitely say, no, that's not, that's not right. You don't have the right information, or you understood it wrong, and so on. If somebody that you don't care much about, say what you want, who cares, you know, move on. But if somebody you care for, you cannot stand to see someone you love to be in what you perceive as the wrong, okay? Just a parenthesis. After each one of my classes, I've heard people come back, like the feedback I get from people is very different. Some people picked on one detail that was mamish said in passing, and not even the whole point of, of what the message of the lecture was, but that's what they picked on. That's what they walked out from the class with. And others picked on a different Indian that they realized, yeah, this must be the ikil. Why is it? It's because people understand things differently. We may all be pretty much saying the same, th hearing the same thing, but yet each one is hearing it differently. Now let's go back to Talmud Rabbi Akiva. Talmud Rabbi Akiva were all sitting and listening to Rabbi Akiva's teaching, and then they would sit in Chavrusa, and they would be learning together and reviewing what they learned from Rabbi Akiva, and they hear the Chaver say something differently than the way they understood it. So if they didn't love the Chaver, they would just let it be. Okay, you think what you want. Keep on going. But the fact that they take a word, Talmud Rabbi Akiva, who took Rabbi Akiva's teaching to heart, main teaching of loving one another, they couldn't stand to see somebody else in the wrong. And they would insist on correcting them. Problem is that the other guy is also Talmud Rabbi Akiva. And he also understood it his way. And he's also going to stand very strong on his opinion. And you know why? Because as, as Talmud Rabbi Akiva, they cannot accept that another one of Talmud Rabbi Akiva is going to interpret their Rebbe's talk in a way in which this is not how they perceive it. They will not accept that. So they will insist and insist. Why? Dafke, because they love him. Well, now, why the lack of respect? Let's accept. Let's agree to disagree. The idea is that the Gemara tells us about this 
period of time in which everybody had to be toichoi kebaroi. One of the biggest, um, biggest uh, defects, so to speak, the biggest shortcoming of Talmidim of that time was to be portraying themselves to be something that they're not. You know, you have to be inside like you are outside. So therefore, for Talmidim Rabbi Akiva, to make believe that they're not upset about their chaver misunderstanding their Rebbe's teaching was out of the question. This was not the norm from the Chachamim of the time. Doing so would have been hypocritical. So therefore, Nagu Kovet Zelazeh is the Kovet Talmidei Chachamim give to one another. When he comes in, I stand up, for example, and things like that. They could not bring themselves to do it if they didn't really feel it. And once again, it's not they disliked one another, they loved each other. But they couldn't stand to see the other person in the wrong. Dafke because they loved them. And Dafke because they loved them, they made the remark and they tried to fix it. But being that everybody is going the same, with the same approach, and Endois and Shavais, everybody is understanding things differently, end result is that was a lack of respect. Now we could have stopped here and say, all right, now we understand why Talmid Rabbi Akiva But that does not answer why they were punished so harshly. Especially once we explain that all Kavana was a positive one, why did they get such a punishment? So in a different uh, in a different sikhah, the Rebbe explained that, the Rebbe addressed that point. It says that in fact, if we are looking at the wording of this, uh, of, of, of this Gemara, we will get a lot of clues. A lot of clues that will help us understand really what happened. But first, let's compare this story to a similar story that is brought in Talmud Yerushalmi. In Sanhedrin, the Talmud Yerushalmi tells us that once... Rebbe Lazar says in the name of Bichanina, Mase Beesrim Verba Kronois shall Bezrebi, Shenichnesula Bershono Belut. The Mais said that once 24 wagons are carrying the base din, the Talmidim of Rabbi Danasi, came into the city of Lut, where the Sanhedrin was uh, presiding at, at the time, and they went in to be Mabershono to decide whether or not. We are going to have two other or not. And Ainara um, cut them, and they all died in one period of time. From that time on, they have removed the Sanhedrin from. Yehuda, which is more towards uh, the, the center of Eretz Yisrael, center south, and they've established it in the Galil, in the north of Eretz Yisrael. So now, I want you to think about this second story and realize what are the similarities between this and the story of Rabbi Akiva's Talmidim. So the first similarity between the two stories is 24. There were 24,000 Talmidim, or there were 24 wagons in the story of uh, Rebbe. Second one, 
they all came together in one place. Okay? The first case was Amir Rabbi Akiva was Megivas and Tipras. And over here is the Abishon of Belud in Lud, all gathered in one specific place. And the third, Kulamesu Beperikechot, they all died in one same period of time. And finally, in both cases, location was changed. They were in one place, and after the tragedy, they moved to another place. So, these clues from the wordings of the text, as we know that every word in the Gemara is Meduyek, these clues are here to explain to us how come for such a small Aveira of not giving proper respect with the right intention because of the love they have for one another and the respect they have for the Rebbe, they all died. The Rebbe explains the punishment was not really fitting the crime. The punishment was more of a result of being the wrong amount of people in the wrong place at the wrong time. We know that all of the things, all of the things um, play a role in becoming vulnerable. Vulnerable to Ainara in this case, vulnerable to a, a more harsher din. Okay? And all of these factors, time, place, and amount. I'll start with the amount. When we say Talmud Rabbi Akiva started to die, in that time between Pesach and Shavuos, okay, it doesn't tell us until like Bahimer, it gives us a bigger span of time to tell us that time played a role. It is written that the days of Sphira are you made din. There are days, there are days of din. And that's the reason why it's written in Shara Kavanes from Chem Vital, name of the Arizal, that is the reason why we don't get married. Because says that the fact that they died when Pesach Lazarus because this time of Sphira, Hem Yeme Hadin. Those are days of din, days of hard judgment. Now, the time of year was more prone for times of din. Now, when we say 24,000 Talmidim didn't wake up suddenly between Pesach and Shavuos and decide to have no respect for one another. Okay, we know very well in our relationship with other people, when we feel animosity towards someone, it's usually not hate at the first sight, seldom. Usually it's something that develops, okay? You start by being annoyed and then you become impatient, then intolerant, and then perhaps, who knows, maybe violent. But these, these, these feelings of, of no respect, is not something that you wake up one day and decide that's it. It's usually a gradual feeling. Okay? Same thing about Talmud Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva didn't wake up one day and find himself with 24,000 Talmudim. Okay? We know that he first had 12,000 and 24,000. Every day, you know, there were more and more Talmudim that came back, that came up. So, if the explanation we gave before makes sense, so then... Probably that this Loi Nagu Kavet Zelazeh happened even long before Pesach 
before, long before like Baimel. Something, it was ongoing. As more Talmidim came, came on and as more filling develops and so on, this law in Agukavetzelah, they happen. And yet, they were not punished. Could be sure that they were just as respectless in Ador as they were in, in, in Iyar. And in Iyar is when they died. Why? Is because they reached that critical number of 24,000 in that critical time of Sfira Saimel, when they were in that critical space of the north of Eretz Yisrael, we know very well that north has to do with Midas Adin. Let me give you an, uh, an explanation. Why is north Midas Adin? Why is south more chesed? When you are facing Mizrach, because a Jew always faces Mizrach, when you are facing Mizrach, what is on your right? South. What is on your left? North. What is the difference between right and left? Chesed and Gvure. So therefore, the north in itself is associated with Midasadin and Gvuris. So the fact that they were in the north, at the time of Sfira Saimir, which is a time when Pesach Latzeres, a time of Midas Adin, says the Arizal. And at that time, they reached the number 24, which is also associated with Dinim. There's a concept of 24, but a Dinim that are harsh. When all of this came together, then they were vulnerable. That even for a small thing like Loinagu Kovet Zelozeh, for the right reasons, yet they were punished for it. Had they reached the number 24,000 in a different time of year or in a different place other than the north, maybe they would not have been punished this way. But when all of these factors, you know, as they, as they say, being at the wrong place at the wrong time, and over here is being the wrong amount, that made them more, vul more vulnerable for something that would have been not as punishable before. We find a similarity with the second story that we read from the Rishalmi, 24 Kroinois that were all in one place at one specific time. And they all, meaning that they became vulnerable. The Rebbe says that the kind of a vulnerability to Ainara, that is exactly what happened to Talmudir Rabbi Akiva. And here is the thing, is that what we have to realize um, that time, place, amount of people, all of this plays a role. And therefore, we have to be extra careful when it comes to a time in which Rabbi Israel, when many, many Jews are together, or a time in which Jews are more vulnerable because of a sakana that's happening or whatever it is, it is very important to make the extra effort of give cover to one another, of giving the space to one another, allowing for somebody else's opinion, and not engaging in any type of machlekes. It is even more relevant when it is a time of din, or a place of din, or an amount of yidn together that may makes us vulnerable to Ainara. We really don't know when is what. You know, some place, some things are written clear in Kabbalah, others are not. But that's what we have to be very careful. Now we see that Rabbi Akiva, after that, he moved to the south. Okay? 
more union of chasadim. Okay? And just to finish, is that what brought about the end of this Magaifa? Lagbayimel. As I said earlier, everybody pretty much agrees that Lagbayimel is the time in which they stop dying. And here, the, the reason the Gemara says they all died in one period of time between Pesach and Shavuos is to emphasize on the Yemeidin that Yemeidin are. By saying they all died until, like Baimer, until Chayiyar, doesn't emphasize the Shaykhes to the time which is Firas Aimer and the Midasadin that there is in Firas Aimer. But it's Dafke when you put this emphasis, that helps us understand what really happened over here. Okay? But Bepoyel, which by the way, as I was saying earlier, um, that explains the reason why we don't get married. Even though we know that the Avelus is only 33 days, how come we don't get married throughout the Sphira when you have other Minhagim that go with dates in which they could after like Baimer and so on? It's because it's not about the Avelus of Talmud Rebekiva only. It's because of the Yimeadin. And as a matter of fact, that is the reason why there is the Avelus of the Kiva to begin with. The death happened because it is Yimeadin. Everybody wants to get married, uh, you know, in a good Teshah, B'Sha'at Tovah, you know, Mazel Tov, in a good Mazel, not in a time in which there is any kind of possibility for Dinim. Anyway, so in the same way um, that uh, moving down to the south, Moving away from the Gvura uh, was Hem Hem Emidu Torah by Sashar. This has perpetuated the Torah and saved the day. There is also what happened on Lagbaimir. Even though Rabbi Shon Bayochai passed away many, many, many years later, Rabbi Shon Bayochai was not one of the 24,000 Talmudim Rabbi Akiva passed away. Because clearly we see in the Gemara here that he says that he taught five Talmudim. One of whom was Rishon Barachai. So Rishon Barachai passed away many years later on Lagbaimer, and yet we know what the Alter Rebbe tells us that, that the day of the passing of a tzaddik, the day of a hilula of a tzaddik, is Kol Avodasasharomal. All the avoda that he had, toiled and effort that he has made in his whole life, comes down in a way of Poel Yeshuas Bekerevaretz. So therefore. The Yeshuas of the Schus of Rabbi Shimon Barachai is what made it possible for the Magaifa to stop on Lag Baimer, even though he wasn't dead yet, but it's a day that was Shaykh to his life. Because the fact that he passed away on Lag Baimer shows that Lag Baimer is a day associated with his life. What do we find about Rabbi Shimon Barachai that is exactly the opposite of what Talmid, the rest of Talmud Rabbi Akiva did? There is something, long story that we will do in Mirza Hashem next week or next time. Um, the whole Ishtal Shilus of Harabishon Bayochai went to the cave, came out of the cave, etc. But to make a long story short, Rabbi Shon Bayochai was for 12 years, then one more year, for 13 years in a cave. He did not eat anything other than Haruvim and drink water. He did not have clothing other than on, when it was time to daven. And it was under the, the, the sand. And the Gemara tells us how it was, it was filled with, with, with uh, cracks in his skin from, from this terrible uh, 
terrible treatment of being covered in sand for 13 years. And yet when he came out after 13 years, the first thing that he did, he came to the city of Tveria and he asked, is there something, is there something that needs to be fixed? Is there something needs to be fixed in the town? The people said, there is one place, there is one road that is a Suffolk Tumah. And because there is a Suffolk Tumah, the Koyanim have to make a detour. A Koyan is not allowed to walk on a place of Tumah. So the Koyanim have to make a detour. So Hashem Barachai says, anybody knows if this place was considered toil once ever? An old man gets, he says, yeah, Rabbi Hamid Zakai once came here, he takes some Tumas in for Tumah. That means that there was some, if he brought for Tumah, he was toil. So Rav Shambachai did the same thing. He went over to the tree, like, you know, took some, some, some flowers or something. And then the earth started to kind of shake a little bit. And some places appeared to be uh, soft earth and the rest was firm earth. So he said, all this soft earth that looks like a grave, that is where there is people buried underneath. All the hard, the, the hard earth is tohoyim. So they made tziyunim, they made like uh, matzevis and signs, so the Kayanim were able to cross it. Now the Rebbe points out something unbelievable over here. What happened? You have Rebbe Shimon Bayochai spent 13 years not eating, not, not having a normal meal, not wearing clothes, not taking a bath. And he's suffering. He's coming out after 13 years. First thing he says, what can I do to help? Good. They say uh, a minority of people have to make a detour. So it's not a necessity. It's not something everybody needs. It's not something people must have. It's to make life easier for a minority of people. The Kayanim. How many Kayanim in this room? Raise your hand. Two. Okay. Minority. So, <laughs> meaning that you have the Kayanim who now have to make a detour. Now, if I was Rabbi Shon Bayachai, coming out of 13 years in the Matzav, he was, the Kayanim come and say, oh, poor us, we have to make a detour. I say, okay, stop whining, I'm going for a steak. I'll be back after a meal and a bath. All right? No. Rabbi Shon Bayachai is putting other people's comfort before his own necessities. What he needed was a necessity. He needed to take care of his goof, Pashat. What they needed was additional comfort for some people, not even for the whole town. And by doing what he did, he made it easier for them. They don't have to make a detour. And yet that's what he did. Now this is exactly the opposite of Talmud Rabbi Akiva. The rest of Talmud Rabbi Akiva, what were they doing? Because they put their own opinion before the other person's opinion. Their own understanding before the other person's understanding. And I say, you don't count. Your opinion is not an opinion. Because I think differently. Roshon Baruchai was exactly the opposite. Roshon Baruchai said, what I could help you to make it more comfortable for you, even if it's not a necessity, I have to do it before myself. Putting yourself to the side was the life of Rabbi Akiva. And that is coming down in the schus in Lagba Imer, which was 
the antidote for the mistake of the rest of Midrabi Akiva, and this is why they stopped dying on Lagba Imel. So let us learn to put ourselves to the side and make room for other people, accept their opinions and treat them with respect, even if we feel strongly otherwise, not by making belief, but simply by putting ourselves to the side. And we should be zoiche, that when we are in trouble, the schus of the, what we learn from Rosh Hashanah should come and help us and protect us.